episode 65, G.I. Joe, The Fall of G.I. Joe, Volume 1 from IDW, a Daniel episode, which means, as we all know, I'm actually putting it together. But I'm going to stop complaining about that because it's getting old, even though he has all the tools necessary to do what I'm doing right now, which is putting in the theme music, which I guess, all things considered, isn't really doing that much. So maybe I should just adjust my attitude. Here's the theme music. Hello, time travelers. It's Daniel again, and he's reflecting on those things that he loved on television from when he was a kid. Today, it's television and toys. Now, recently I picked up something that is really unlike what I'd usually read. I I don't usually look for this title because I think of it as being, well, super immature. I equate this title with toys and cartoons And so I've never really looked at any of them, and maybe this is to my regret. But on a whim, again, looking for things tied into the old TV shows that I used to love, I picked up G.I. Joe, The Fall of G.I. Joe. Let's see if it's as good as I remember it when I was a kid. And when I say good, I mean based solely on cartoons and toys. G.I. Joe, The Fall of G.I. Joe. Part 1 consists of four issues. The issues are from, if you want to go and get them live off the rack, you're not going to have to go far, so you can save up your time energy. You only have to go to September 2014, October 2014, November 2014, and December 2014 to pick up these four issues that make up what I read as a collection. Because I went back in time even not as far to grab a collection instead. The story is by Karen Travis. Now, I'll get into Ms. Mrs. Ms. Travis here in a little bit here. Um, but I actually had some feelings about her, and I was a little shocked to see her name on a comic book. And the art is by Steve Kurth. The story itself, um, as someone who ha- hasn't read any G.I. Joe stuff, it was a little, well, jolting at times. Um, this story consists of, uh, of G.I. Joe in a new world, a world in which Cobra is ran by not Cobra Commander, but is ran by one of the twins. Um, Tomax Palali, who actually has an action figure made of himself, um, back from the day, has set up Cobra as an international organization, a multinational, a peacekeeping organization. And Cobra has set itself up in what we assume is a war-torn Eastern European country trying to keep the peace. At the same time, why things might be going well for Cobra, they're not going well for the Joes. In fact, the Joes are about to be drawn down in a world in which Cobra is no longer a terrorist organization, but putting on part of the good fight. Cobra is no longer seen as a major threat, and G.I. Joe is now a redundancy. So Scarlet, the head of the field team, has to begin to work through the fact that her team needs to be, well, collapsed and is no longer necessary 
Meanwhile, over in that Eastern European country, there's a lot of jostling internally about who's going to be the the leader. There's rebels, separatists. And in this little struggle within that Eastern European land, um, the Joes get pulled in. In fact, they're sent there um, by another organization to, well, do some wet work. Now, the paths, the target that they're looking for, might cross paths with Cobra as someone within the Cobra organization sees their their child, well, skip sides. And so the Joes and Cobra and, and ex-Joes and groups that might or might not be the CIA are all kind of converging in this massive, uh, rip from today's headlines, political intelligence thriller. And one of the big questions is, is will the Joes be able to, well, still be the Joes when this is done? So I'm not going to go too much more into the story, but that's really what's going on here. It's a multifaceted um, political thriller where you've got agents, um, much like you might expect to see on a television show after 9 p.m., Maybe even an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of show, one might say. But let's let's go ahead and break this down a little bit. So this is another IDW production. And like Knight Rider, it opens with, well, opening credits. We get images. Now, these images actually, as a roll that go past you on the two pages, the these images actually are ones we are going to see in the story. So they do do a good job of foreshadowing. Now, and I will admit, as I entered the story, I was definitely thrown off as as the Chevalte Gabali border. Jeez, I can't even pronounce this. Um, I see Cobra trucks rolling into town. I see Cobra officials in suits. I see what almost looks like Nazi, uh, Nazi youth in these Cobra young cadets. It was really kind of throwing me off because this, where's the cheesy mask? Where's Destro? Where are all the, well, let me say the word again. Where's all the cheese from when I was a kid in the cartoon? Because really that's what I was expecting. I was expecting that I was going to open up this book and I was going to discover cartoon. Um, This was going to be the cartoon reworked into a comic book into a modern comic book written for people like me in the sense who enjoyed this as a television show, primarily as kids. So I thought there'd be some camp. Really, there's only one mention to Cobra Commander, and that's in a poster. And it's really nicely done. Here's the deal. This is less related to the cartoon and more related to things like Queen and Country, in the sense of this really is a rip from today's headlines, real life like story, with the difference being it has the Joes in it. That's really where the, the dividing line is, is is Karen Travis has taken the Joes as context, as characters, and thrown them into the story. So Faces that we know, faces that we're familiar with, are here. For those of you who are big Joe fans, you're going to find Duke in this story. Scarlet is all over this story as as the leader of the Joes. Flint, thank you. 
Where's the beret at the proper moment? Take notes, G.I. Joe Retaliation. So, it's really a mature, grown-up G.I. Joe story. So when I say it's been written for people like me, it has been written for people like me. But it's not to give me camp and not to make me remember the experiences of the cartoon. It's really to give somebody who had the cartoon a mature and interesting and fascinating political thriller. So in that sense, I was completely surprised. This is not at all what I expected. I expected fun camp, and instead I got a really, really intriguing political story. Now, I'll be honest, I should have known that something like this was going to happen because the writer is Karen Travis. And so Karen Travis is the first female writer ever of G.I. Joe. And again, I said I thought I missed something. Well, that's intentional. Um, in this G.I. Joe reboot that she did in 2015, 14, what happened is, is she basically wrote this story as having happened five to six years later after the last series. And the world's moved on. And things have changed. And, you know, Cobra's become good. And, and G.I. Joe's become well, redundant. I keep saying that. So... Everyone who picked up this volume for the first time is going to be a little unsettled because things changed, even if you are a hardcore G.I. Joe reader, from the last time that there was a G.I. Joe series. And so everyone is on equal footing. But the thing is, is what this time bubble does, this five, six years later, is it gives Karen Travis something that she's able to do really, really well. And that's world build. She's able to create a G.I. Joe world in our world that's based on what she wants to write, not on what the cartoons or past G.I. Joe writers did before her. And I think this is a really good thing. This is an area that Karen Travis really excels in. So, again, I have some experience reading some Karen Travis books. Those books that I read were Star Wars now, I'm going to be honest. I have a theory about Star Wars, and here it is. Star Wars has to have a visual element. I've read a lot of the Star Wars books, and a lot of them aren't. They might be good, but they're never great. They're never really excellent. And I think it's because Star Wars is something, it's a property, it's a franchise that does best when there's a visual element. The comics, I'm rereading Marvel stuff right now, just like Agent Ben. The comics are really, really good. The new Marvel comics are good. A, a good portion, the majority of the Dark Horse stuff is good. Comics and Star Wars seem to work really well. Comic, Star Wars and prose, not so much. Except for those books, the Republic Commando books, written by Karen Travis. And what Karen Travis did is she basically ignored Luke, Leia, Anakin, Yoda, etc. And she created a world within the Star Wars universe. She, she effectively world-built within Star Wars. And what she focused on was world-building the Mandalorians. Building their society, their government, their culture in a really fascinating and great way. The only other time that I've read a book in the last seven, eight years that did it so well was, to be honest, John Carter. And that's a, that's a, The Princess of Mars. Uh, that's a classic book. 
there's a reason that book stands up. So I found myself really fascinated by what Travis did with, with Order 66, you know, creating this world, creating a society, creating an entire culture that was interesting and fascinating within a universe I thought I already knew. And fans love those books because they are so well written. Now, sadly for her, then along came Star Wars The Clone Wars, a series that I loved that put together some episodes that were honestly just okay in the Mandalorian arc. And in the Mandalorian arcs, like the Snapple arc, um, she com- George Lucas completely changed what he meant by Mandalorian culture. And why shouldn't he? It's his property. It's his story, and that's what he did. Is He told his story and what he thought Mandalore was in Star Wars The Clone Wars. But what his vision was, and he didn't really reflect on what the Expanded Universe had to say, was completely contrary, in his mind, to what Karen Travis had written. So Karen Travis was actually in the process of writing another, G- another Star Wars book about the clones, and it was canceled in production because, well... Star Wars The Clone Wars contradicted what she was writing. Now, I'm going to be blunt. I'd like to think that there's a world where maybe that could all be integrated together. A world where maybe Karen Travis's Mandalore and George Lucas's Mandalore could have been side by side. I think there's real hints to possibilities that we could have, at least in my mind, headcanoned the two Mandalores. It could have really worked. It could have. But the point is that she's really good and smart and she's a great novelist and so i shouldn't have been surprised when i picked up this gi joe the fall of gi joe i shouldn't have been surprised about how good it was because well karen travis is no chump when it comes to writing and so i should have expected a really solid story i should have expected that she was going to take the time to recreate and rebuild the gi joe world And I should have expected that this was going to be a highly sophisticated story, something that was strong and interesting and more than the Joes just attack a Cobra base and Cobra Commander runs away screaming, Cobra! Yo, Joe. Not even mentioned in this episode. So, yeah, G.I. Joe. This is some fun and interesting stuff. And so really what I'm doing right now is I'm kind of looking through some comics that are tied to TV shows that I liked as kids, as a kid, and, and trying to see if that that exceeds my expectations based on my memories as a kid. I'll be honest. This is fantastic. This is good stuff. This is a five out of five. I've already marked to read the next issue. Not, not issue, the next volume. G.I. Joe, The Fall of G.I. Joe, Volume 2. Because there's some unanswered questions in this volume that I need to have resolved. And and I want to know, hey, is what about these Joes over here that are getting ready to assassinate? What about this, this Cobra traitor? Where is this world going? <laughs> Will the Joes remain functional? <sighs> so again, started here at a place of trying to relive my childhood. And instead I found something sophisticated and smart. And something written for adults who remember the phrases, the, the name G.I. Joe from when they were a kid. Um, so there it is. 
G.I. Joe, the fall of G.I. Joe. Uh, I got a big thumbs up over here. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And I'm going to read some more of it. So until later, if you're interested in all of us, you can check us out at comicbooktimemachine.com. If you're interested in stuff that I read about Disney, which has nothing to do with G.I. Joe, you can check me out at BetweenDisney.com. And Ben and I are always talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe over. Welcome to Level7.com with the seven spelled out. Well, wasn't that a fun little adventure? Or was it just intriguing? Just remember, be safe, kids. Make good choices. So here's where I put some sort of snarky retort or something reflecting about uh, Daniel's character or lack thereof. But I'm not going to do that because I have adjusted my attitude. At least until next time he sends me an episode and expects me to compile it together like this.